from the Mercy One Studio. Welcome, folks, to The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Every week, diving deep into the truth of Catholic social teaching and restoring all things in Christ. On the air, I'm Bo Bonner. And I'm Dr. Bud Marr. We are coming to you from these United States of America. I am the Director of Mission and Ministry here at Mercy College of Health Sciences in Des Moines, Iowa. Bud, I know that you're remote out in Omaha as your family's getting moved over, but you also are uh, a Des Moinesian now, too. Tell the good folks what you do here in the beautiful city of Des Moines. Yeah, it does feel official because yesterday you picked up a turkey for me, which is now sitting <laughs> in my freezer. So once Mercy College of Health Sciences gives you a turkey... It's like uh, you're employed. So I'm the academic dean there at Mercy. And I have to say, Bo, the, the start of the show is always tough for me. I, I don't know. There's something about announcing your own name on air. Uh, if you remember the movie Anchorman from uh, our grad school days. you know I where think I might have heard of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's asking a question to uh, a guest, and it's like, you are electric. And he, the, he doesn't know the right voice inflection. Whenever I say I'm Dr. Bud Marr, I, I can't nail that voice inflection. You, you just got to spend time in front of the mirror, man. Like if 2020 has taught us anything, we have free time. And so you just it sounds like I'm asking a question. I'm Dr. Bud Marr? Am I Bud Marr? You're just being existential. And that's, <laughs> that's what right. the folks tune into our radio program, Bud, is existential. No. <laughs> And popularity among all the kids. Not true. This is College of Health Sciences, MCH, and people call it the second or the third wave, folks. Whatever it is, we know that the frontline medical workers are being pressed um, to help and spread exactly that healing ministry of Jesus Christ uh, in the trenches where it's needed most. And we want to say that Mercy College proudly underwriting our show but also creating that next generation of frontline workers who are there helping the people most in need. It's an honor to be a part of Mercy College of Health Sciences. We want to thank them for writing the show, uh, underwriting the show, mchs.edu. Yeah, Bo, a lot of exciting uh, news out there this week just regarding the possibilities of a vaccine. And I know we may be still months away from something that's safe and widely available, but it does remind you, of the importance of a place like Mercy College, where, where you're training people who, like you said, will be on the front lines. But I think also, Bo, we try to find opportunities at the college to ask questions about, um, you know, like the morality of how you distribute a vaccine, uh, the common good with respect to, you know, new discoveries like this. So a lot of exciting things going on. Yes, indeed. And just to, you know, show folks that like to be uh, to clear something up, I didn't break into Bud's house, nor did I steal a turkey. One of the <laughs> nice things that you that happens if you work uh, at Mercy College is they give out turkeys for um, employees every Thanksgiving. And so, you know, Bud has a turkey waiting for him when he gets to his house here in Des Moines. Uh, but just to show you one of the things that I'm always uh, impressed by what our employees do. So a lot of people already have their own turkeys or they don't want turkeys. And so we always have a drive where uh, the employees can give turkeys to students in need. And something like within an hour of announcing that we had like 18 turkeys ready for students who might need them. So same thing with, you know, mitten trees, student emergency funds. 
one of the things I'm most proud of being associated with Mercy College is the heart that we have for students. So mchs.edu. But, uh, you know, speaking of uh, the world being uh, exciting and never bereft of news. I think that uh, is a natural way to talk about who we're going to talk about today. So I'll let you introduce uh, the, the who we're going to talk to after the break and uh, what we're going to talk about and how that relates, as it were, to uh, the general mood here at the end of 2020. Yeah, I'm expecting that many of our guests may know, or many of our listeners may know our guest from his book on spirituality, The Fulfillment of All Desire, which I know has played an important role in many living Catholics' lives. But uh, it's it's Ralph Martin, who's the director of Renewal Ministries, and he teaches um, in the graduate school at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Uh, a while back, he wrote a book, A Crisis in Truth, which um, made a splash at the time. And recently, uh, some have been pressing him to reissue that book. But when he sat down to, well, I'll, I'll let him tell some of that story, but he ended up writing a brand new book called A Church in Crisis, Pathways Forward. I think, Bo, this one really gets into the weeds of some of what we're facing, not only as Americans, but as Catholics. And I think uh, Dr. Martin raises a lot of important points about um, basically how to live faithful during difficult times. And it's kind of apropos that the book came out in a year that's been defined in many ways by crisis. So I'm really looking forward to having him on the show. Yeah. And, and I think that when you think about, uh, I, I don't know what else to say. There's maybe hangman's humor. I know people deal with uncertainty in different ways. And so, you know, may, maybe what I, the jokes rub off wrong to some people and to those that I apologize. But when, when you start to look at 2020 and just think that there is always seemingly some new wrinkle to what's going on, it's important for us to remember, of course, that uh, the sort of uniformity and foundations and and really a lot of the, the stability that a lot of us uh, have become used to, it's not that that's, of course, in any way bad. That's an achievement of so many people working towards that goal, bud, through many years. Uh, but maybe that's one thing to say it's good for us to realize uh, the tenuousness of all that and take what is difficult times for many people for all sorts of reasons and take that time to say, what does it mean to really truly think that the foundations that will keep us truly safe and not just in safe in this life, but safe for our ultimate goal in heaven, the 2020 gives us the occasion to talk about these things. And I don't think, uh, and like you said, I don't think there's too many people better than Ralph Martin to bring up some of these issues. Yeah, that's right. And sometimes the stability, like we shouldn't bemoan stability, but it can be something that leads to a sort of apathy. And you see this in the lives of the saints, Bo, where they actually ask God to take away any sources of comfort or consolation so that they can know him alone. And uh, I'll let, I'll, I don't want to steal all of Ralph's thunder, but he kind of gets into that in the conclusion of the book. So this should be this should be a good one. So, folks, this is The Uncommon Good. When we get back, Ralph Martin, you will want to stick around and hear this. This is The Uncommon Good, Bob Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr, and we'll be back right after this. <laughs> folks, if you want to participate in the show, contact the uh, radio station or just leave comments or suggestions. It's easy to do so. Just use the ZipWhip line. 515-223-1150. 515-223-1150. The ZipWhip line. 
hashtag UCG for the uncommon good. If you want to make sure that we take a look at what you have written, uh, like you said, you can talk to us, you can talk to other show hosts, you can leave messages, you can even uh, text in order to donate if you're so inclined. The Zip Whip Line. 515-223-1150, 515-223-1150. This is the Uncommon Good. Join us after the break. We'll be back with Ralph Martin right after this. Check out the November issue of the Catholic Mirror hitting mailboxes this weekend. Read about Catholics in our diocese finding creative ways to gather for the holidays while social distancing. And learn what mental health experts recommend for brightening spirits. Find out about a new art display at Sacred Heart Parish in West Des Moines, remembering in prayer all Iowans who passed from COVID-19. And read about the new home Emmaus House purchased to better meet the needs of the community and their online opportunities for deepening your faith. Check out these stories and much more in the next issue of the Catholic Mirror hitting mailboxes this weekend. Iowans for Life Christmas Gala is all virtual. This Saturday, you'll hear pro-life talks from Maggie DeWitty and Bishop Johnson, plus awe-inspiring Christmas music by the Royal Child Choir and Orchestra. The show features Gina Gedler, Tony Valdez, Eric Sharp, and so many others. Participate in our online auction beginning November 19th on the HandBid app on your phone. Join the fun at iowansforlife.org. It's free this Saturday, 7 p.m. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Storm Alert Weather is provided by Divine Treasures. Divine Treasures is a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. Their mission is to help Catholics know, love, and keep their faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and His Church. Divine Treasures is where you can find great Catholic books, beautiful Bibles, rosaries, jewelry, statues, and religious gifts for those memorable events in your life. Divine Treasures, 5701 Hickman Road, Des Moines, 515-255-5230. Thank you to Divine Treasures for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Thank you, Golden Rule Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, for sponsoring my show. John Lee and Eddie in the Morning on Iowa Catholic Radio. Golden Rule, servicing Des Moines for over 15 years. They obey the rules to live by, especially the Golden Rule. Online at goldenrulephc.com. Thank you, Ashworth Vision Clinic, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365 on Iowa Catholic Radio. Ashworth Vision Clinic, online at ashworthvision.com. Ashworth Vision Clinic, 515-440-4610. Back with the Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr joining you this Wednesday. We're so happy to have you with us. Thank you, folks, for listening to the show today on the Uncommon Good. As our guest, we have Dr. Ralph Martin, the president of Renewal Ministries and the host of the weekly Catholic television program, The Choices We Face. He holds a doctorate in theology and is the director of the graduate theology programs and the new evangelization at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Dr. Martin, thank you for joining our show. Well, it's good to be with you. Catholic uh, Radio in Iowa is alive and well. Well, I appreciate that, and we're going to record that, and we're going to play it to every boss we have. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> well, no, so uh, I, I want to throw this over to Bud. Bud did the good work of uh, having you on the show and, and uh, explaining to me uh, the, the sort of conversation you have. So, Bud, I, I'm going to let you open up uh, questions here. Dr. Martin, thanks for being on. I have to say for myself that The, Fulmi- the Fulfillment of All Desire was an important book in my own uh, journey as a Catholic. So just having you on the show, it's an honor. And I, I thank you for writing that book in particular. Um, sure. In terms, of this, in terms of this book, A Church in Crisis, Pathways Forward, it's, uh, I think it's telling the inspiration for the book. And uh, I know there's a specific event that you talk about early on, 
where you said, I, I really need to write a book like this one. So to start us off this morning, could you share with our listeners the story behind what led to this publication? Yeah, well, over the last couple of years, uh, people have been uh, telling me that they've been rereading a book I wrote 40 years ago, A Crisis in Truth, uh, The Attack on Faith, Morality, and Mission in the Catholic Church. And they said, you know, we thought this stuff was settled, you know, under John Paul II and, and Pope Benedict. We thought that we were on a really clear path. And now it looks like some of these same confusions about faith, morality, and mission are reappearing. Maybe you should republish the book. So I looked at it and I said, no, it's it's too dated. I mean, yes, it's still very relevant in many ways, but I'd have to do a whole new book. and I don't have time to do it. So I was, you know, traveling, you know, but then COVID came along and I uh, canceled trips to Brazil and canceled trips to Peru and canceled trips to Rome and lots of places in the United States. And I said, you know, I think I've got time. And then something else had happened that was in the back of my mind that I didn't quite know what to do about. But a couple of years ago, I was invited to give a, a theological lecture at uh, Georgetown University at a big conference they were having to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Vatican II. And I was quite surprised at what was going on there. The whole atmosphere was, gee, happy days are here again. The spirit of Vatican II is back again. And uh, Cardinal Casper uh, was the keynote speaker. And he, of course, was so influential in the synods on the family that uh, resulted in Amoris Laetitiae, which has been a, a source of confusing interpretation and contradictory interpretations ever since. And then uh, Father Charles Curran, who is like the most famous dissenter against Humanae Vitae, was there. And then uh, Father Roger Haidt and Father Peter Fahn, who had been corrected by the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith for things that they were teaching, were there too. And I was saying, wow. Uh, and then as, as the years went by, it became clear that they knew something about what was going to happen under Pope Francis that I didn't know at the time. And that... Uh, the, the current confusion we have in Rome, the current fights we have where, where cardinals are attacking cardinals and bishops are attacking bishops and whole bishops' conferences are taking opposite interpretations on fundamental moral issues. And so I just felt like, you know, I, I've got to I've got to do something about this. I've got to try to bring some clarity in, in the midst of a new confusion. Yeah, you mentioned that the conference was inspired by the 50th anniversary of the Second Vatican Council. And I, I found, Dr. Martin, that in conversations with Catholics, that can be a source of confusion and disorientation, just in the sense that when we think of an ecumenical council of the Catholic Church, you know, this is supposed to be a cause for celebration and a moment for clarification. But in the decades after the most recent council, that hasn't necessarily been the case. How do you help Catholics navigate that issue where... You know, I mean, what's at stake when we talk about reading the documents and interpreting Vatican II? Yeah, well, this is, as you know, become a surprisingly hot topic these days, and I don't know where you guys stand on it, but I'll tell you what I think. Uh, I think you can't be a Catholic and not accept Vatican II as a legitimate council of the church. I mean, every single document was voted by 95, 98%, uh, 99% of, of the council fathers there who were of all different theological strains. And uh, it was approved by the legitimate successor of St. Peter, Pope Paul VI. So it's a legitimate council. Now, 
I don't think there's anything wrong with any of the documents. Even Bishop Athanasius Schneider, who's uh, very, very conservative, would say there's only three texts that are somewhat ambiguous, and they're not teaching heresy, but they're ambiguous, and they're opening the door to uh, false interpretations. And all that has to happen in a future pontificate is that they need to be clarified. Well, I think they already have been clarified. You know, 20 years after Vatican II ended, uh, there was a special synod of bishops to take up this very issue of how to interpret Vatican II. And that's where Cardinal Ratzinger proposed his hermeneutic of continuity, that any time where there's any question of how to interpret something in Vatican II or any other council for that matter, we have to interpret it in harmony with the tradition. So uh, anyway, so I think that's happened. On the other hand, I do think that the pastoral strategy of Vatican II opened the door for some very bad things to happen. And you did have very famous theologians who contributed to the documents of Vatican II going around after the council, giving lectures all over the world, sort of like Hans Kung or Karl Rahner, who would say things like this. Vatican II was a good start, but it didn't go far enough. So that already opened the door for let's not pay so much attention to what Vatican II actually says, but let's kind of say, what else can we change? So then that introduced the whole whole bad dynamic into the church. So I wrote another book called Will Many Be Saved? What Vatican II Actually Teaches and Its Implications for the New Evangelization, where I talked specifically about that point, about the possibility of being saved without hearing the gospel, which is actually rather challenging and rather difficult. But the last chapter I titled Pastoral Strategy of Vatican II is a Time for a Change. And I argued that the whole positive emphasis of Vatican II on affirming whatever we could affirm in modern culture and uh, trying to reset our relationship with the world, trying to get out of our box that we had gotten in by some people about we're in favor of monarchy. We don't really believe in the working man. Uh, We're not in favor of science, kind of just kind of affirming modern developments that we could affirm uh, open the door to uh, maybe an undiscriminating uh, affection for the world. And we really have to always remember what scripture says, that he who is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. So we have to really sort out what we can really affirm and what we can affirm. And I propose that some of the areas that we remain pretty silent on in Vatican II, they're there, but they're not there in a prominent way, like the reality of heaven and hell, the the essential role of Jesus and the whole plan of salvation for the world, uh, the importance of belief and uh, repentance the importance of reaffirming clarity about sexual morality and just all kinds of other basic doctrines that weren't denied by Vatican II, but maybe didn't kind of stand out strong enough in the uh, pastoral strategy that emphasized the positive. Sorry for the long answer, but that's, that's what happened. No, 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 that was great. And, you know, one of the things that is apparent, I think for me, I I can speak for myself. I think I'm speaking for Bud too, both converts, right. In this, in this uh, time period after Vatican II, and it's it's easy to point out that there, there's a whole host of us. We both converted basically in or right after Protestant seminary. So just the the sheer fact of the trajectory of our coming into the church uh, is is flavored and set up in a way by Vatican II that would be impossible to deny. It would be silly to act like um, that 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 didn't have a major factor uh, in our lives and how we lived mm-hmm. out coming into the church. It's interesting that the more, you know, 
you know, Bud is a Newman scholar and, uh, you know, we, we constantly bring this up to be deeply, uh, to be deep in history is to cease being Protestant, but to be deep in history is also to maybe, uh, understand councils and their sort of, uh, <laughs> way that they're received better, right? You, you can look at plenty of councils throughout church history in which the immediate 50 years after, uh, often led to other councils or led to difficulties and things like this. Right. Right. And so maybe maybe part of the issue starts to be when we when we decided that we were going to open up to the modern world, maybe we weren't quite ready to understand how being able to fly everywhere, you know, used to if you were a heretic, you, you really kind of had to walk at least to spread your heresy. And that at least gave people time to prepare. But when you're on an airplane <laughs> yeah. and you're flying everywhere and, you know, it's the same thing, right? We're here on the radio as lay people talking about these things. But anybody presumably can be on the radio. So, you know, it's one of those things that the church learns a lot through its long history about how to deal with the tumultuous nature of discussion mm-hmm. after a council. But perhaps we weren't quite ready to realize how any view at all uh, could hit the hot airwaves and spread nearly instantaneously. And, and maybe we're still wrestling with that with the new digital horizon that we're facing now. Yeah. Also, the, the council ended just when world culture exploded into open rebellion, you know, like the, the student riots of 1968 and, uh, you know, the, the stop, you know, make love, not war and uh, question authority, the whole spirit of rebellion and throwing out tradition and authority uh, really kind of played right into it. And it's, it's really hard for many Catholics to, uh, because they're not well-founded in the word of God or the tradition of the church or even the catechism of the church to, uh, when they, when they hear stuff from contemporary culture to sort out what's true and what's false. And so many, many of our people have been carried off, you know, into the world, really, you know, and even people who come to church on Sunday aren't always coming with the mind of Christ and the spirit of God, but more the mind of the world and the spirit of the age. And because the culture has been so intimidating, lots of priests and bishops are, have been have been silenced. They're not saying what they need to say. They're not talking about those areas that come into conflict with the culture because they know that half their people would kind of be mad at them, you know, and or their donors might stop donating or somebody might stand up in church and walk out. But the longer we delay in reaffirming the basic truths of the faith, even those truths that uh, have already have already been abandoned by our people, the worse it's going to get. Yeah, and chapter three of your book here deals with the fog of universalism. And this is another issue, Dr. Martin, where there's kind of a distinction. Well, there is a distinction between what the church officially teaches and what many assume that the church teaches. And in this case, I would go back, as as you do in many ways, to a book by a theologian who, in the grand scheme of the latter half of the 20th century, is perceived as very conservative, uh, Hans Urs von Balthasar. And he wrote this book, um, Dare We Hope, um, that, you know, that many will be saved. And could you, I, I think this is a really essential point because there are prominent priests or like spokesmen for the church who give the impression that universalism is a valid theological opinion. And I know, I mean, there's, you could get into a very nuanced discussion here, but could you provide our listeners with the bird's eye view of the history behind this? And why you see it as particularly dangerous for our times. Yeah. Well, if, if I were to describe how many of our fellow Catholics look at the world today, I'd describe it like this. Broad and wide is the way that leads to heaven. Almost everybody's going that way. 
narrow is the door and difficult the road that leads to hell and hardly anybody's going that way. Now, you know, sad to say that's, that's really where a lot of people are at. And of course, it's just the opposite of what Jesus himself says, you know, Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, broad and wide is the way that leads to destruction. And many are going that way. Narrow is the door that leads to life, difficult the road, and few there are who are finding it. Now, we know that Jesus isn't happy about this being the situation, uh, generally in the culture. I mean, but in every age, you know, what it says in the epistle of John, that the whole world is under the power of the evil one, is true. The whole world is under the power of the evil one. And the only place where there's freedom from demonic deception and oppression is in the church, when the church is really living under the Lordship of Christ. So, uh but the fact is, is that uh, everything in the scripture tells us that there's going to be a division of the human race at the end of time. Uh, you know, the sheep are going to be separated from the goats and uh, the, the, the good wheat's going to be separated from the wheat and the good fish are going to be separated from the bad fish. And the door is going to close and people are going to be inside the father's house or they're going to be outside the father's house. There's going to be a final judgment. And that's solid doctrine of the church. So clearly taught by Jesus and the apostles. Uh, contained in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but theologians, like you mentioned, von Balthasar, kind of, at the beginning of his book, he says, I got to protect the reputation of God, and people can't believe in a God that will send people to hell. And so he kind of basically tries to find a way of explaining away the entire tradition of the Catholic Church and the clear witness of Jesus and the apostles by saying, I'm not really teaching that everybody will be saved. He knows that that would be heretical. But I am saying that things like this, it's virtually impossible for human freedom to resist the grace of God ultimately, or uh, those poor people who believe in hell, he calls them infernalists. So he tilts in the direction so strongly that people get the impression when reading the book and from the popularization of spreading his theories that, yeah, Smart people know, reasonable people know, enlightened people know that probably hardly anybody's going to be lost, if anybody, which is false. So what it does is it undermines holiness, it undermines evangelization, it undermines sacrificial vocations. It it's really uh, does, does tremendous damage to the health of the church. And yet you do have very prominent people who kind of are, are promoting that. And so I did feel like I needed to address it in, in my book and, uh, I addressed it even more thoroughly in, in my book, Will Many Be Saved? You know. Well, we're, we're getting ready to come up on the, a break here in about three minutes. And so the, the problem with all of uh, uh, your what you're saying is that it's so interesting, and I don't know how to formulate something that's three minutes long. But to get started, and uh, if we have to break it off for the break, we can continue it on the other side. Um, I think part of what can confuse people um, is so it's like you said there, there's a way in which worldliness makes us afraid to stand out against the culture but there's a way in which of course the church itself its worldliness is so to speak not simply in doctrines that it assents to but cultural forms that it allows to influence um what's going on and you think about the sort of rise of you know like middle class you know, 2.1, 2.5 white picket fence, uh, you know, families, right? The nuclear family is being seen as the, the be all and end all of the happy life, right? That, that we, we've created an idea about what living 80 years on life, uh, on earth here should look like. 
yeah. you don't want to disturb anything that would mess with that. And so I think sometimes when people hear us infernalists, I'll throw myself in the camp. I'm from, I'm from Oklahoma where we're, we're pro hell people. Um, that what you start to see is it, people see a, 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 a bifurcation or maybe, maybe a, a, a dissonance, right? As they go, well, Catholics and Christians, right? Believe in the sort of like nice middle-class night life, be nice to people, behave, dot your I's, cross your T's, pay your taxes. And then they have this God who's going to throw us to hell because we didn't, you know, fill out the right forms or something like this. And I guess this is me trying to be charitable to people is if that's the Christianity you see, then throwing hell in the mix of that Christianity seems really dissonant, but, 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 but we're not saying those two things. And that, that to me is something else we're addicted to is even when people want to talk about the truths of the faith, they're still addicted to the cultural form and, and so it's hard for them to, to, to go against niceness, as it were, in one aspect of, of life and not the other. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really excellent. Uh, that's because they don't know the real Jesus, and they don't know what the real Jesus actually says. You know, unless you renounce everything you have, you're not worthy to be a disciple of mine, you know. Uh, unless you love me more than your mother and father and sons and daughters, you're not worthy to be a disciple of mine. Uh, I haven't come to bring peace but a sword. You're going to have to make a choice. And he who denies me before men will be denied before my father in heaven. I mean, Jesus is calling for absolute surrender and absolute loyalty to him and obedience. He says, if you love me, do what I'm asking you to do. And what he's asking us to do is a radical commitment to him and a radical commitment to his mission, a radical commitment to a life of holiness. So unfortunately, we've constructed a Jesus to suit ourselves, which is an idol. And and we don't know the real Jesus. The real Jesus is is comforting, but the real Jesus is challenging. The real Jesus is scary. The real Jesus is awesome. The real Jesus is God. No, I just, uh, that, uh, so we're coming up on the break and that is a wonderful way to pin the conversation so far. When we get back after this break, more with Dr. Ralph Martin. This is Bo Bonner for Dr. Bud Marr. We'll be back with the Uncommon Good right after these messages. Folks, if you want to keep up with what Iowa Catholic Radio is doing, it's easy to do. Just follow us on our social media, the original site, iowacatholicradio.com. Go there to listen live wherever you have an internet connection. You can sign up for newsletters, donate. You can even see the faces of the people talking on the radio if you are extremely bored and want something to do. On the other hand, you can go to Facebook and type in Iowa Catholic Radio, befriend us on Facebook, and through the good auspices and will of Mark Zuckerberg, you will be friends with us on Facebook and be able to see our posts. And finally, you can go to Twitter and follow our tweets at IA Catholic Radio, get our tweets and know what we're saying through the Twitter sphere. Finally, download the Iowa Catholic Radio app, and anywhere you have a data connection, you can listen to us, you can donate there, Do all sorts of stuff through your mobile phone. This is The Uncommon Good, and we'll be back right after this. It can be easy to forget about the dignity of another when we disagree with their ideas or actions. We start to focus on the things that make us different, and the thoughts start to divide us. Before we reach the conclusion of those thoughts, we must pause and remind ourselves that person with a different idea or lifestyle has great dignity. The next time you find yourself ready to go toe-to-toe with someone, remember that they have dignity and deserve respect, even when we disagree.
Support for Iowa Catholic Radio in Crisis the Answer with Father John Ricardo is provided by Confluence Brewing Company, a local brewery featuring seasonal and limited release beers located off the bike trail south of Grace Lake and online at confluencebrewery.com. Confluence Brewing Company has growlers to go, apparel, and other gifts for family and friends. Confluence Brewing Company is available for curbside service and would like to thank you for your support. Thank you, Confluence Brewing Company, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Thank you, Construction Professionals, for your support of Dowling Catholic Sports 365. Construction Professionals is a family-owned business dedicated to our customers. Whether designing, building, or renovating, we are here to better serve you. Our passion for quality craftsmanship, paired with our dedication to creativity, result in a home that reflects your personality, style, and family function. Construction Professionals. Design. Build. Renovate. cpcustomhomes.com. From our family to yours, God bless. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. Warm front moving through this afternoon, and that'll cause us gusty wind up to 35 miles per hour. Sunshine and warm temperatures are high around 65. Breezy overnight, down to 50 and partly cloudy, and then tomorrow still a little gusty with our high going up to 70, sunshine. The weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. Back with the Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr joining you this Wednesday. Thank you for listening to the show. We're glad to have you with us today. Our guest is Ralph Martin, president of Renewal Ministries and the host of the weekly Catholic television program, The Choices We Face. He holds a doctorate in theology and is the director of the graduate theology programs and the new evangelization at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Dr. Martin, thank you for coming back on the show. Well, it's good to be back, and we're having a good discussion. I wonder if we could tell people how to get the book um, as we go yes, on. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We'll, we'll end with that, too, but if you want real quick to go ahead and uh, yeah. plug that real quick, go ahead. Yeah, the book is called The Church in Crisis, Pathways Forward. And you can get it at our website, renewalministries.net, or you can get it on Amazon.com or lots of different places. But it's it's really making a big impact right now. It's like uh, number five in all Catholic books on Amazon and number one in Christianity. So it's it's really connecting with people's concerns and confusions and bringing a lot of clarity and hope. Well, and in that note, you know, in your book, you bring up examples like Catherine of Siena, and I'm particularly thinking of St. Francis of Assisi. So just a real quick aside to, to, to connect what we were ending uh, the last segment on into this one. I have the chance to teach uh, a group of minor seminarians and homeschoolers through uh, Zoom because now that COVID happens, everybody's fine with that. And we read uh, Diogenes Laertes' The Lives of the Eminent Philosophers, which is this exploration of the Greek and Roman early philosophers. This is a bunch of good Catholic kids reading this. And it's funny because going in, we all thought, okay, well, what these these Catholic kids are going to really latch on to is Socrates or Aristotle or maybe the Stoics. But funny enough, because they have also read St. Francis of Assisi's uh, Little Flowers, the group uh-huh. that really caught their attention were the cynics. Now, we use the word cynic uh-huh. to... We use the word cynic to mean like denying the truth, which is not really completely the case, but that's a whole other philosophy issue. Suffice it to say the cynics believed in a sort of shamelessness, right? That truth was more important, absolutely. And they would be willing to do outrageous things. And Diogenes the Cynic is this huge example of like doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And we're reading this book 
And they start to go, oh, my goodness, this guy, you know, willing to basically like, you know, be naked in the theater and like sleep in a, a bucket and all these things. And all of a sudden someone realized this sounds like St. Francis of Assisi. And in some <laughs> ways, Jesus Christ himself. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that Christians should be more cynical because people would misunderstand me. But to, to connect what we were talking about, when we look to the examples of what we're going to have to be willing to do mm-hmm. to, to change the culture, it is something akin to the Athenian cynics who were more than willing to let the opprobrium of the culture roll off their backs like water on a duck uh, because there was more important things to worry about. And, and maybe that challenge of someone like St. Francis of Assisi it's not a sort of romantic or sentimentalized one. He liked peace. It's sort of more that he was willing to really mess with the program of his time. Yes, that's really great. You know, the last chapter of my book, I, I title it The Inexhaustible Riches of Christ. And I point out particularly the prophetic identity of Jesus, that when people asked, you know, when he asked people, who do people say I am? What people said is, you know, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, Elijah, one of the prophets, and he self-identified as a prophet. You know, when he was in his hometown, Nazareth, he said a prophet's with, with honor, except in his own hometown. So Jesus accepted that he had a prophetic ministry. He overturned the tables, you know, in the temple. He uh, did radical things. <clears throat> and all of us are supposed to participate in the kingly, the prophetic, and the uh, priestly identity of Jesus, you know, lay people. So I think we've been missing the prophetic edge, the prophetic fire. And just like what you said. Yeah, Dr. Martin, because I think because of your uh, var- varied experiences and your sort of unique location and teaching seminarians, but also traveling around the world talking about these matters, that one thing I noticed in the book is you seem to have a real good bead on scholars. <laughs> and some of your stories, um, as someone who did a doctorate in theology, I, I saw some of the moves that sometimes academic theologians will sometimes make. And with this conversation around the church being in crisis, one thing that I've heard at conferences and other things is it's sort of like, well, if Catholics will only read more history, they'll know the church always experiences crises. And this could be a helpful reminder, but it can also be a way, I think, to sort of like dodge the important issues that we're facing. And I I don't know, do you have um, an opinion or some thoughts on what might be unique about our circumstances? And I think, uh, I mean, I don't want to leave the question too much, but as kind of an alley-oop, I think a lot of what you say about evangelism and how that word is used today, misunderstood today, might pinpoint what is unique about what the church is facing in our times. Yeah. Well, you know, we have had terrible times in church history. uh, And when people think about that. They generally think about immoral popes and things like that, going to war and having mistresses and illegitimate children. But today we're, we're fortunately not facing immoral popes, I don't think, but we are facing something I think even more serious, uh, an unclear sound from the trumpet coming from Rome. Uh, you know, the apostle Paul said, unless the trumpet gives a clear sound, who's going to come for battle? And because of ambiguity, because of confusion that isn't being clarified, because of division that isn't being addressed, uh, Catholics are, are left up in the air about, well, do we still believe this stuff or not? You know, uh, you know, it seems like there's a lot of stuff coming out of Rome right now that seems like it wants to accommodate with the uh, sexual revolution and downplay sexual morality. And uh, so people are a little bit like adrift, you know, and then we have the Amazon Synod where we had people venerating 
uh, an idol. And, you know, so there's just a lot, a lot of stuff out there that is much worse than an immoral Pope. It, it's, it's lack of clear direction from those who it should be coming from. Well, and I think, yeah, this, if you want to like, if we're throwing out uh, uh, hot takes, one of the things that I'll throw out is when it comes to not only the fact that people can hear nearly anyone talk at any time because of something like the radio, there's also this fact that for the first time in history, the last 50 years, 100 at most, people hear from authorities in in volumes that they never would have before. I think of the fact, right, that if you were a peasant in 1150, you probably heard from the Pope once or twice a year at most. And then that maybe would be, you know, the pulpit or, you know, you probably couldn't read and these things like this. I, I guess what I'm getting at is there's this very basic formal question that sometimes I see my students ask, which is to say how much should I be digesting of the constant stream? I mean, this is a true of, of all things in modern life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can, if you decide that something is your brand, if you like this team, or if you like this uh, topic, if, if this is something you care about, you can gauge your technology to inundate you from the moment you wake up until you fall asleep. Yeah. And so good Catholics think, oh, well, what I need to do is do that but with Catholic stuff, right? Just Catholic information, you know, 20 hours of the day. (laughs) There's this question about what are we actually called to do in the most important aspects of our life to deeply drink from wells rather than sip (laughs) from a broad stream. And sometimes I think that that's, you know, what, what we need to ask people is, do you match your prayer life in any sort of way compared to the amount of news you read about the Catholic church? And maybe there's basic questions about that that make, like you said, these ambiguities more difficult to process for people. No, definitely. And I I absolutely agree with you. Uh, We need to detach from continual exposure to either secular news or Catholic news. uh, And we need to have a priority in our life of, what the Psalm says, be still and know that I am God. We need to be deeply nourished in prayer and meditating on the word of God uh, in order to kind of keep our head clear in order to keep our soul unagitated. We, we need to really live in peace and trust and confidence in the Lord because everything that's happening in the world and the church isn't happening like out of God's purview, out of his providence, whatever's happening, he's allowing it to happen because he's got a plan to bring good out of it the vindication of the righteous and the judgment of the wicked and the purification of the church. And I I think it's going to be a remnant. I hope it's a big remnant, but that's what's happening. Uh, Wickedness is being exposed. uh, Immorality is being exposed. False doctrine is being exposed. So God can judge it. And so people can be clear about who Jesus really is and what the Catholic church really teaches. So yes, we should not be addicted to news, whether secular or Catholic <clears throat> we should find some solid news sources that, that will tell us what we need to know in proper measure, but we shouldn't be kind of trying to know everything that's going on or curious about everything that's going on. You know, depending on what our vocation is, we need to know what we need to know in order to fulfill the purpose which God created us and the mission he's given us. Folks, we're talking to Ralph Martin this morning, the author of A Church in Crisis, Pathways Forward. You can find it in numerous places, but all uh, one specific place is, stpaulcenter.com. Uh, 
Dr. Martin, there are some passages in the book that are very challenging to read. You have a really strong reminder that judgment begins with the house of God. And even the cover of the book is, um, I believe, Notre Dame on fire, which has, you know, a bracing image of sort of like what we're passing through at this stage in history. But I do feel like the book at the end ends on a very uh, hopeful note, not necessarily optimistic, but very hopeful. And this kind of piggybacks on what Bo asked you last time and what you were beginning to talk about. But if if folks are listening this morning and they, they, they buy your diagnosis, they say, yes, we're in the midst of a crisis and the things that Dr. Martin's talking about, like I can see all of those around me. Where do we begin in terms of patterning our lives after figures like St. Catherine of Siena, St. Francis of Assisi, so that we're not, you know, sort of like chickens running around with their heads cut off, but we actually are moving in a direction of, of penance and preparing ourselves, like as you remind readers, for that last judgment. Yeah. Well, one of the really wonderful things about Vatican II is how clearly it spoke about the universal call to holiness, that holiness isn't just for a few special people, but every single person created was created by God for union with him, that our destiny, our vocation, our call, our reason for being alive is to be one with God. And so the universal call to holiness is one of the most powerful themes from Vatican II, and it really has had a good positive impact for so many, many people. But one of the things that we we need to realize is that you've got to pay a price. You know, you've got to put some skin in the game. You don't just become holy by drifting along in a, in a lukewarm Catholic life. You need to really seek first the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus said, you know, the unbelievers are always worried about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, what the future is going to bring. I say to you, seek first the kingdom of God and his holiness. And these other things will be added as well because your heavenly father knows you need them. Now, this, this isn't the prosperity gospel. This is the Lord promising us to give us what we need to fulfill the purpose for which he created us. But the condition is to seek first the kingdom of God and his holiness. So, you know, it begins with this. If you don't have a time for daily personal prayer, you need to start praying. You need to start doing some spiritual reading of sound spiritual books. You need to start reading lives of the saints. Uh, I've actually written a book called The Fulfillment of All Desire, a, a guidebook for the journey to God based on the wisdom of the saints, because this is what I wanted in my life. I wanted to know the best wisdom that the church had for, for growing in holiness, for growing in union with the Lord. So uh, you just got to do that. You know, you just got to do that. I mean, it's it's necessary. The only people who are in heaven are saints. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be a canonized saint, but the only people who are in heaven are people who have totally let go of any attachment to sin, who have totally embraced the will of God. And that's a lifelong process, you know. It's going to take us a while to get there. But the good news as a Catholic, well, this is true for everybody, is that if we're not quite ready to see the Lord face to face when we die, praise the Lord for purgatory. Well, Dr. Martin, you, you talk about skin in the game. And so I, what, I, I called to mind the flayed skin of our Lord's back at the pillar. And mm-hmm. I think of the fact that he took those stripes, not deserving a single one of them for our sake. And I think about the fact that a lot of us are suffering things that we don't deserve on behalf of the church, that, you know, the, the abuse crisis, uh, the, the difficulties, the ambiguity, all these things. And it's very natural to go, 
you know, this, this is happening to me. Like, why is this? I've been Catholic. Why is this happening? And to be angry and, and to look for someone to blame. And it's important to diagnose, right, of course, what's, what we need to do to, to, to change. But if I can speak for behalf of people who sometimes get frustrated in, in just the general tenor of trying to figure this out, you know, I think that what's lacking in the church is the willingness for people to face the humiliations the church is facing, especially when it's not their fault. And that yeah. until we're willing to, to take those stripes with our Lord, we're not going to make any progress. And when people go, but it's not fair, not, none of the passion was fair. Every single moment of the passion that our Lord went through, he did not deserve. And are we willing to face the humiliations of the church in our day precisely because they're not deserved? And, and I think that that humility is lacking. People will mistake humility as it's sort of being a sort of epistemological humility, like, well, who knows what's right? No, no, no. It's the humility of I am willing to be humiliated with the church because Christ was being was willing to be humiliated for me. And that there's there's, you know, important Catholics in the United States, not just in the clergy, but, you know, laity as well need to do that and and do you see that as one of the one something else that if we're not willing to do that we won't make progress in this matter yeah yeah no i think that's really true and what's meant a lot to me over the last few years is really meditating on the words of our lady of fatima to uh saint francisco saint jacinta and uh, lucia and uh what what mary asked them she said are you willing to accept the suffering that comes to you and offer as reparation for sin and the conversion of sinners. And the children said, yes, we are. And then later on, Lucy wrote in her memoirs, we had no idea what we were saying yes to. But uh, I think that's so important to uh, recognize that the suffering that comes our way can be, don't waste it. Don't waste the suffering that comes your way. The suffering you're talking about, about the humiliation today of being a Catholic and living in the church, but also just the suffering that comes to us through our frail bodies or through, uh, misunderstandings in relationships or through uh, physical pain, suffering. Uh, don't waste our suffering. You know, the saints say this. St. Francis de Sales says it. Uh, all the saints say it. But let your suffering unite you more closely with Jesus and unite your suffering with the suffering of Jesus for the salvation of the world. So, And then also do voluntary sacrifice. You know, the, the children were so concerned because Mary told them that so many souls are going to hell because there's so few people willing to pray and offer sacrifice for them that they began to do little sacrifices. And we should be doing that too. You know, they offered their, they would skip their lunch one day and give it to poor children. And they wouldn't drink water on a hot day. Or one day they, they found a rope and uh, wrapped it around their waist and uh, wore it night and day as a penance. And really, really charming. Mary, next time she appeared to them, said, uh, the Lord really appreciates your sacrifice, but he doesn't want you to wear the rope to bed at night. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, well, I, I think that, uh, I, that all of that is uh, a good way. We're, we're getting here at the end of the interview, and so I, I think that's a good note to close on. So before we let you go, one more time, if you want to direct people where to look for the book, but also anything else that you would like to, to plug about what you're up to with Renewal Ministries and things like yeah. this. Yeah, well, I'm doing a, a new video every week now on our YouTube channel, which is a new thing for me. I've been doing it for several months, and I feel like it's really allowing me to sh share my heart with people and whatever the Lord's showing me. So they can go to renewalministries.net, 
and click on the little symbol for YouTube channel. Uh, and then the book I think is, is really helping people right now. It's called The Church in Crises, Pathways Forward. You can get it on our, our website, renewalministries.net or at St. Paul Center or on Amazon. And uh, I just want to thank you for what you're doing at Catholic Radio and how you're trying to uh, be a source for people that helps them keep their head clear and their their hearts at peace and to rest in the in the truth of the faith and the and the love of God. Well, we we appreciate the the ringing endorsement. I don't know if we're ready for YouTube. I think Bud and I need to get in better shape. You know, like we, you know, I don't know if people want to look at that, but uh, certainly on radio, we're good to go. And when we have guests like you, it's easy to do. So, uh, uh, Dr. Ralph Martin, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. But uh, like, and like you said, uh, renewalministries.com actually uh, is online. There's different ways that people can go look at the YouTube video. But suffice it to say that there are people out there uh, that if you feel unmoored with everything that's going on in 2020 in general, but the church in particular, certainly there's resources out there to get your bearings. But I can't repeat it, uh, you know, repeat it enough that it's not going to be the amount of uh, any sort of media that you consume but if you heed the warning to take the time to pray and ask uh, for God for that sort of guidance, that that's uh, uh, so important in what we're facing. Well, I know we're near the end of the show, but yeah, what I appreciate about Dr. Martin, what he's doing is it's not like giving people some sort of like secret information that they didn't otherwise have, but he identifies some serious challenges. And then like he did at the end of the show today, brings us back to the pressing urgency of penance as we saw you know, with the humble children at Fatima, what a, what a great challenge to end on. Yep. And real quick, it's uh renewal ministries, uh, .net, not .com. Uh, so excuse me on that. So this is the uncommon good. May Jesus Christ, the Prince of peace reign in our hearts and our families, our city, our state, our nation, the world, the solar system, the galaxy, the whole kin caboodle. This is the uncommon good. And we'll be back next week. <laughs> But if folks want to make sure to be part of Iowa Catholic Radio's, um, uh, sorry, prayer life, uh, that they can join uh, uh, listening on air, could you tell them when and what we're up to throughout the day? Yeah, if you've been struggling at all finding time in your life to pray, Iowa Catholic Radio is a great resource. We pray together on air, the Rosary Daily at 5.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 9.30 p.m. We also pray the Angelus on air daily at 6 in the morning. But all of those opportunities can be accessed 24-7, 365 on the Iowa Catholic Radio app. And folks, I just want to press that, of course, as uh, Dr. Martin was pointing out, the universal call to holiness is important for us to think in terms of laity and clergy. But there's also this sense in the laity, it's important for you to hear, of course, that celebrities don't replace the call to holiness for all of us. And I'm in no way acting like Bud and I are celebrities, but you do hear our voice on the radio. You hear other people's voice on the radio. And any good we might do, it only makes sense if we realize that we're in this ministry together. You who pray for us on Iowa Catholic Radio, you who support us through your donations, you who volunteer, this is a ministry that includes far more than just the people that quote-unquote perform on air, even the good people who do the real work behind the scenes, like Jimmy on the boards and Deacon Tony, all of the people in the offices, it's you as well. This is something that we do together. Iowa Catholic Radio exists so that people may hear the word of Christ in some way, this, the planting the seed 
And radio provides that, so to speak, constant background voice on 24-7, able to penetrate walls through the magic of radio waves. You know how it goes. But we want to say thank you for being part of our ministry and making it work. You can donate at iowacatholicradio.com. You can donate on the Iowa Catholic Radio app. You can call 515-223-1150 or text. Many ways to do that. And again, we want to say thank you for being part of our ministry and making it work. Well, bud, wonderful uh, uh, episode. Again, glad to have you in the same time zone. Looking forward to having you, uh, you know, back in town. And uh, not only are all of us waiting for you, but a nice frozen turkey as well. <laughs> well, we say this all the time, but I hope our listeners know that these next couple of weeks, especially when our nation turns to the thought of gratitude, that we're grateful for you. And you'll certainly be in my prayers this week. This is the Uncommon Good. We want to say thank you, and we'll see you next week. The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr is heard every week on wonderful Catholic stations like this one and anytime on podcast. Just search for The Uncommon Good.